Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Oops, excuse me. I have a picture to show you to start our morning with. And I'd like you to tell me what you see. What do you see when you look at this picture? Anybody? Error is good. It is an error. Those Chinese characters. Quiver. Quiver, yeah. If you could read the Chinese characters, they would say fire error. Fireworks? Yeah, pretty close. Uh, you're looking at the world's first rocket from about a thousand years ago, or close to a thousand years ago. Um, does that help you? What else do you see when you look at it? All right, let's switch to the next picture then. What do you see when you look at this picture? Joy. Sorry? A good photographer, yeah. Yeah, somebody is pretty talented. I don't know how they did this one. <laughs> don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty talented. Yeah, some might look at this baby and see more than just a baby. They might see a future Gymnast, contortionist, right? Piano player, engineer, lawyer, doctor, all kinds of possibilities. And uh, God gave us mothers to realize these possibilities. I remember when uh, my child was born, I think about uh, Jen and Luke, who just had their first uh, child uh, born yesterday and looked at this little bundle of joy. When I looked at my first little bundle of joy, I didn't see a lot of joy, right? It was this uh, somewhat uh, wet, icky, uh, squeaky little thing that, uh, you know, I didn't find particular attraction toward, right? And yet, you know, my wife rejoiced to hold that bundle of joy in her, her arms. And I think as she looked at that bundle of joy, she saw more than just a little uh, icky, sticky little thing. She saw potential, potential for much more. And that's why we need mothers, just as we needed uh, rocket scientists to look at that first uh, diagram that I showed you before of uh, the flaming arrow, the first flaming arrow. And uh, they envisioned other things and they brought to pass the uh, space industry as we know it today that uh, has people around the world racing to try to develop and, and get more out of. So I will call this message, if you would, four requirements for being a rocket scientist or a mother. 
first requirement is you need a vision. You need a vision, as I was just uh, describing. The rocket scientists look at rockets, and they said, you know, we can make more than just a flaming arrow to go toward the enemies. We can make more than uh, just uh, fireworks that explodes at night and impresses people. We can make, can we see the first picture? A rocket that orbits the Earth. We can make it powerful enough, send it high enough, with enough uh, trajectory, enough speed, to actually circumnavigate the whole Earth, and even stay there and go round and round and round. Or they might look beyond that to the next uh, object of interest and say, you know what? We can land people on the moon. We can land people on the moon. Amazing to have that kind of vision when you started with that flaming arrow. Or we can land robots on Mars, on a different planet. Isn't that amazing? From that little flaming arrow, that vision was born. Or we can send objects outside of the solar system. Crazy. And yet, uh, vision, vision of rocket scientists was able to produce these things. What about mothers? Uh, first picture. This is, uh, some of you might recognize, as uh, Thomas Alva Edison. He is the inventor of the light bulb. I owe him much because my job, to some degree, inherited what he produced. We make uh, light bulbs out of LEDs in my company. And yet, uh, Thomas Alva Edison wasn't thought of very much as he was growing up. He was going to school. And uh, I guess uh, the principal or a person of note was visiting the classroom. And the teacher was explaining a little bit to the principal about the different students in the class classroom. And uh, when he got to Thomas Alva Edison, he said, this boy might be addled. Now, if you don't know what adult means, it might mean you're adult yourself. But uh, it's not, uh, it's not a, a complimentary thing to say about someone's intellectual capacity. And so Thomas Alva Edison ran home crying to his mother. His mother was so furious that she walked right up to the teacher in his classroom and demanded an apology. When uh, the teacher refused to apologize, she pulled him out. She said, I'm going to teach him at home. And uh, where would this world be without her pulling him out of that school and teaching him? It took a mother to see the potential in her child and say, my child is not adult. And she was right. We can uh, find examples. Many other examples of mothers and uh, recognizing the potential in their children. I wanted to pick one from the scriptures. Her name is Hannah. And uh, 1 Samuel 1 tells us, so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him 
from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow, but Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. So Hannah was an unusual case. She was a woman who could not have children naturally. And uh, so she prayed. She cried out to the Lord for a baby. And the Lord gave her her baby. And she said, I'm going to give him back to the Lord. And I think about Hannah after she had the baby and started uh, winning him. And winning could mean simply getting him beyond the stage where he's uh, drinking milk from her, but it could be speaking about all the other things a child will need to be wind of in order to become independent. And uh, Elkanah seemed to think she was a little bit strange about the whole thing, uh, but uh, she saw in her son potential. And uh, she felt she should pour into him her life for several years because of the potential that she saw in him. Just a little child. She brought him to Eli. I wonder if Eli thought also that this was a rather strange gift, what moved this woman to do it. And yet Samuel will become uh, perhaps the greatest of the judges of the nation of Israel. He uh, turned the nation of Israel from sin and idolatry, led them to victory, anointed the, f- the first two kings. Uh, it's hard to imagine what the nation of Israel would have been except for this boy whose mother saw in him the potential of serving the Lord even as a child. And so he takes a mother to have a vision to see what a child can become. What about us? We want to uh, think about the Lord as we go through this passage. We can appreciate the Lord simply for the fact of giving us mothers and stop there. But it's good to remember that God has a vision for you and for me. What does God see when he looks at you and at me? What is the potential that we have in the eyes of God? Ephesians 4.13 tells us, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hard to imagine. Sometimes we look at ourselves in the mirror. We may not see much. Uh, We might look at uh, our failures. We may not see much, and yet God looks upon us and sees in us the potential of a person who is just like his son. 
with all his beauty, all his character, all his humility, all his kindness, all his love, all these attributes that made the Lord Jesus so precious in the eyes of his father. He could look at him and say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he was so pleased with his son, not just because he was his child, but everything about him was, be was beautiful. God looks upon you and me and he sees that same potential for beauty. He made us in his image. Yes, we have fallen into sin and yet the Lord Jesus, our great redeemer, came to restore that image of God and bring it back out of our lives to yet once again show his glory in us that we might be just like him. So God also has a vision when he looks upon you and upon me. Okay, so the first requirement for a rocket scientist or a mother is vision. The second is willingness to do hard work. What makes rocket science to be such hard work? We get the next picture. What makes a rocket scientist or rockets have to do such hard work is a force called gravity. You have to overcome gravity in order to send a rocket to space. How much power, how much work does it take to send a rocket to space? Well, when they sent the, uh, memory is failing me, here, but uh, the rocket that uh, carried Apollo to the moon, I think it was a Saturn V, uh, they used uh, the same amount of fuel that it would take you in an energy-efficient car to go 800 times around the world. That's how much work it took, it takes to get a rocket into space. Uh, it took a lot of work for the rocket scientists. The next picture is uh, a probably simplified diagram of a rocket engine. And uh, yeah, that's why, sorry, that's not very bright. Uh, it takes a lot to be a rocket scientist, or we call it rocket science when something is difficult. Uh, for one thing, in order for something to burn in space, you cannot rely on oxygen from the environment. So in your engine, if you have a, a combustion engine, it relies on the fact there's oxygen in the air around us. And that oxygen is being used in order to burn the fuel and produce the energy that gets your car moving or your airplane uh, going. You can't rely on that in space. You have to carry your own, own oxygen. So the blue lines represent an, the oxygen or the oxidizer that the rocket has to carry. The red uh, will capture the fuel, and you have to be careful what kind of fuel you choose to take a rocket to space. Uh, I don't want to get too much into the techniques or technology, partly because I don't understand it all. Uh, but then you have to somehow combine the two in a controlled fashion. Uh, I like to think about a rocket as a controlled explosion. You basically are mixing uh, fuel and an oxidizer 
And as they come together, they react in an explosive force. And yet you have to control it in just the right way to make sure that all the energy is going out just the right way to lift your rocket up and not explode it into pieces. Right? It's not, not easy. So a lot of work in being a rocket scientist. How about with our children? Our children also, unfortunately, have a force that needs to be overcome. David said it this way, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. We are born with a sinful nature. Like it or not, it's the truth. I have four wonderful children, and I've seen it in all of them. I've seen it in myself, too. Uh, you don't have to blame it on the mother. It's probably the dad's fault. But uh, either way, the children do come with a sinful nature, and uh, we must apply uh, some form of energy to uh, help them overcome that uh, difficulty. Uh, the Bible says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Right? So that's the instruction that the scripture gives us, and, and discipline is necessary. <clears throat> There's different form of discipline, but uh, it has to hurt. Right? I'm not here to instruct people how to raise their children. I have my own experience, but we have the word of God. But it is work that a mother or a father, really both are in it, uh, have to do to help the child accomplish the vision that you have for, for the child, the potential that the child can be achieved, will not be achieved without some means of correction, without some amount of work, and boy, it's a lot of work, put into the child to help them. It's not all negative. There's a positive work that you have to do. I should mention, if you go back to the picture, you see on one side, uh, no, the next one. It said, ouch. The other one says, loved. Uh, it says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. It's love that uh, ought to be the motivation for discipline, right? Because we love the child. We want to see them accomplish what they can. We, we're willing to do whatever it takes to help them uh, get past the difficulties in their lives uh, but it takes other form than discipline. Uh, next picture. This is my proud mother as I uh, was graduating from college. And I remember when I was in, I think, second grade, might have been first grade, I just had great difficulties starting on my homework. I would get a homework assignment. And in those days, it was relatively simple, right? It was, you know, copy a sentence, maybe write a sentence, or maybe a paragraph. And I just had the greatest difficulty writing down. Uh, in fact, I, was, I kept breaking the point of a, the pencil. I don't know if you remember the days. You have the pencil, you sharpen it, and then you write with it. But if you break the point of a pencil, you have to sharpen it again to kind of get rid of all that broken piece and get an, another uh, fresh piece, and I just kept breaking it. And uh, my mom got so concerned, she actually sent me to a psychiatrist about that. <laughs> True story. Uh, 
I don't remember what the psychiatrist said. I think it was something about spending more time with my dad. So as you see, it's always the dad's fault. Um, but what she eventually came up with for a period of time to get me to do my homework was she'd say, okay, you write a word and I'll write the next one. Right, you write a word and I'll write, then it was a sentence. Okay, you write a sentence and I'll write the next one. Uh, so often, it's, it's diff there's different ways uh, parents find to encourage their children, to help their children uh, grow and develop. It's not a, a one size fits all. Every child is different. Every child has their own challenges. And a part of being a parent, like a rocket scientist, is finding the right fuel, right? Designing the right system that helps your child advance, grow, and develop to become that person that God designed them to be. So a lot of, a lot of work all the way around. God also has to do work to accomplish his purpose in our life. We could look at God's discipline. In Hebrews 12, it says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 10, for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be <coughs> partakers of his holiness. So God also loves us, and as a loving father, he will discipline us when I I'm not doing what I should be doing. The Lord will find some way to get my attention, and it's because he loves me, right? And he wants to produce in me that vision that he has for me to be like his son. He wants me to be what he designed me to be, and he's willing to be involved in my life to accomplish it. But I was also thinking of a passage in Romans 8. It says in verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's two laws here. The word law, we often think of as a legal requirement, but it could also mean a law of nature, like gravity is a law. Uh, there's a, one of the laws of Newton, I think it's the second one, it says, for every action, there is an uh, equal and opposite reaction. Is that true? Eliana, did you study that this year? Did I say it correctly? Oh, I, I passed the test. And that's what uh, rocket scientists use. They, they realize that as they thrust down that explo those explosive gases, there's an equal force up. And that's really how they overcome gravity. What about us? As God's children, we have that opposite force. We have the force or the law of sin and death. That's what drags us down. That's what leads me to sin and break God's law in my life. There is an opposite law, an opposite force, and here it is called the spirit of life. God gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us to live the life that he wants us to. So that is what energizes us or who energizes us. And just to not lose the context of this verse, 
Um, Paul continues in verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Before God could give us the spirit, he had to take care of sin, the problem of sin, and he took care of that in his son, the Lord Jesus. Uh, I, I am chastised by the Lord, but I never experienced the full consequence for my sins. Not so with the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus experienced the full consequence of my sin. He was judged for what I did. And that was a key ingredient in God being able to deliver, deliver us from the power of sin. It was only because his son paid the price for it. Next, so we said a mother or rocket scientists need vision. They need to be willing to do hard work. And third, they need to be a skilled project manager, a skilled project manager. Next picture. If you look at a rocket, or at least uh, most rockets today, you'll find that they have stages. I believe this is, uh, again, the rocket that went to the moon. And uh, it had uh, that first stage, if I understand correctly, that was designed to uh, get it out of uh, Earth gravity, get it up to space. And then uh, th that first stage just falls down. It gets discarded. All the fuel in it was spent. Now it's just dead weight. And so it's discarded. And then you have another stage, uh, if I understand, that took it to the moon. And, uh, and then it gets discarded. And then there's another stage, I believe, that is used to bring it back to Earth. I'm not exactly sure. There's, there's one there that's part of the moon, going down to the moon and coming back from the moon. And I think that gets discarded. And then finally, <laughs> you have that final piece that, uh, that come, brought the astronauts back to the Earth. So there was project management involved in being a rocket scientist. You recognized you needed different stages to accomplish different things. You couldn't just have one rocket that did everything. Right? It wasn't going to work. That rocket was going to be too heavy to drag around with you all the way around the moon, down to the moon, up, and to the Earth. You had to break the job into pieces, sizable pieces, that they could deal with in order to do the job. Same is true about a mother. So Jen, we were thankful, had her baby yesterday. And uh, right now, goal number one, get the baby to eat, right? And you know, for those of you who never had to do it, you assume it's easy. You know, it's not always easy. You know, convincing that, but that baby has spent uh, nine months or so in the womb, and it was fully provided for through the umbilical cord. It had to do nothing. Well, now the baby actually has to start doing something for its own survival. It has to nurse. So somehow you have to convince that little one who really can't quite understand what you're telling it and has very limited control of its own uh, body function that it has to start cooperating. It has to start nursing if it wants to live. 
And then after the baby starts nursing, you'll find that there's other things that you need to do. You have to uh, teach your child to sleep. Your child may decide that he doesn't want to sleep through the night. He'd much rather sleep for 15 minutes and be up again. And eventually you'll have to convince the child, no, this is nighttime, you really need to sleep. Not easy, that's not an easy job for a mother to train her child to sleep through the night. Uh, one of the uh, next ones that come, one of my favorite, have a little video on that. Does it run? Are you sure? Does it run? There's maybe a little thing at the bottom to press. All right. Well, if we can figure out, we'll show it to you later. <laughs> but yeah, there's, uh, that's, uh, that was a joy for all of our children. This was our first one. And boy, were we excited when she could start walking. And then we realized how easy we had it before she started walking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's many stages in developing your child. And, uh, and that's a great joy. Uh, to see your child developing. But it requires, like I said, project management. You can't do everything at once as a mother. Um, it, uh, it goes little by little. Uh, Isaiah 28 <clears throat> tells us, uh, whom will he teach knowledge and whom will he make to understand the message? Those just wind for milk those just drawn from the breasts, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. So that is a scriptural principle that you can't get a child uh, in one step to become that full vision, that full potential that God has for them. You have to work in stages. Uh, same with God's work in our lives. Second Peter 1 tells us, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. We are a work in progress as well as believers. Uh, we um, do receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved. Our sins are forgiven, but God continues to work in our lives and produce in us more and more the image of his son. All these wonderful attributes that we would like to possess the first day we're saved, and yet we find that uh, we are very much a work in progress. Okay, uh, fourth and last one, uh, persevering. A mother or a rocket scientist have to be persevering. Why do rocket scientists have to be persevering? Let's see if the video for this one works. All right, technical difficulties. All right, you'll just have to, you know, in your mind's eye, <laughs> you 
Imagine what happened when they first shot a rocket into space. Did it make it? No, it didn't. How about second time? Nope. So there were many failures on the way to success. So now it's unusual for a rocket to explode. It still happens. Rockets uh, that we send to space still fail sometimes. But now maybe they fail 10% of the time. Uh, then they were failing you know, 90% of the time. So you had to be persevering as a rocket scientist, and after it failed, uh, there's a, an expression saying, back to the drawing room, you have to figure out what went wrong. Why did the rocket uh, fail? I remember there was quite an investigation after uh, the first um, shuttle exploded. I think it was Challenger uh, exploded with uh, seven astronauts on board. And they spent a lot of time trying to figure out what went wrong, what went wrong. And eventually they found out, well, there was an O-ring uh, seal that was uh, separating the, um, the oxygen from the fuel. Remember, you have to be careful. This whole thing is like a, a bomb ready to go unless you can channel things just right into it. And uh, we'll see if we get to have a sight of what happens. But, uh, they figure it out and then they fix it, right? And then the next 10 launches are successful and then something else goes wrong. And they find out, oh, a piece of foam fell down and hit one of these uh, heat shield panels. And all it took is knocking one of those off. And when the next shuttle disaster happened, it was re-entering atmosphere and, uh, and the whole thing again burned up in flame. So, you have to be persevering, right? I mean, if they would give up after the first disaster, after the 10th disaster, we would have no space industry. Nobody would be going into space, but they're persevering. They believe that there's enough value in what they were doing that in spite of the failures, in spite of the millions or billions of dollars, in spite of lives lost, they should pursue and continue and this venture, because there was so much value they believed in, in having this, uh, being able to send rockets to space, to other planets. Uh, same thing with a mother. Will a mother experience failures? Will Jane find days of disappointment when her son will not do exactly what she's been training and teaching him to do? Uh, yes, she will. Yes, she will. Uh, all of us who were involved in being parents have experienced that and may experience that still. Uh, and yet, it is so, there's so much potential, there's so much value in that child that a mother perseveres. She might go back to the drawing room or the crying room and say, okay, what am I doing wrong? Uh, what can I do better? You might find you're doing nothing wrong. <laughs> you just need to keep at it. Uh, but there's just so much value, so much potential that you don't give up. You keep, keep at it. Same thing uh, with the Lord. It says in the Philippians 1, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How about us? Do we, um, 
only have good days in serving the Lord or do we have bad days as well? Are we uh, rising up to every challenge victoriously or do we sometimes fall flat on our faces? Uh, do we uh, have complete victory over sin or do we often find that we are still mired in it? Yet we're assured here that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. God sees so much potential in you and he is so determined to accomplish it that he will not give up until he meets with complete success. Lamentation 3:21 and 20 through 23 tells us this I recall to mind Therefore, I have hope through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord's compassions are new every morning. As a parent, we might think, well, you know, you did this yesterday. You did it again today. You'll probably do it again tomorrow. How many times do I have to forgive you for what you're doing? Well, it says that the Lord's compassions are new every morning. So he doesn't, they never grow old. He never thinks about the fact that we failed yesterday and we failed a week ago and we failed a month ago and we failed a year ago. For that very morning, the Lord has brand new compassions for us that never grow old. Okay, in conclusion, we want to thank you, mothers, for being visionaries, for being hardworking, for being skilled project managers, <coughs> and for persevering in your work. <coughs> we want to uh, thank God for giving us mothers and for his vision for us to be like his son, his hard work to make it possible, his project management in our progress and persevering in his work in our lives. And if you do not know of uh, this God we speak of or the special work that God is doing and wants to do in your life, uh, please ask me or uh, anyone here that invited you. Please stay. We're having a time of fellowship, enjoying uh, Mother's Day with uh, a special meal prepared by Rigatoni's. And uh, feel free to lend us a hand as we're uh, putting uh, the tables and the chairs together. Let's uh, commit our <coughs> time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that uh, you see an enormous potential in each and every one of us and are determined to accomplish your work in our lives. We thank you for giving us mothers who were ready to see value in us when nobody else was and uh, willing to work hard and do everything necessary to bring about our benefit. Help us show them proper appreciation today. Finally, we pray for anybody here who doesn't know you, 
or the work you want to do in their lives, that you might uh, open their eyes, open their heart to see it. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.